Hello and welcome to Four Spikes. We are on episode 11. As always, I am your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Hey. Hey, and uh, tonight we are joined by a very special guest who we made reference to last time, the one and only mtgmom.com site founder and awesome magic chronicler, Megan. Hello, Megan. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. It's good. Just got back from Richmond, so it's been an exciting weekend. All right. And uh, was it you and your husband uh, both over there? No, actually. This was my first solo trip, Ooh, so it was, it was interesting. How was it? It was awesome. It was a really, it was, you know, the first kind of event like that, and it was, there was so much going on at the same time, so it it was really exciting. Okay. Um, I'm being reminded right now by... Uh, my co-host said, right before we get into everything else, we got to do a quick uh, update on what Four Spikes is and and uh, what's what the whole kind of culture behind our show is because a listener was um, asking about it. Uh, so, Greg, do you want to hop onto that right quick? Sure. Um, we can make this interactive. Uh, <laughs> Megan, what is this? Do you know what a spike is? Are you familiar with that, with that term? Yeah. It, well, uh, as in the type of magic player. Yeah. Sure. Can you can you give your definition to our audience? You our know, listeners? um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, putting you on the I, spot I a little bit. <laughs> check the, the Watsy site to, to better sure. those. I'll help you out a little bit. So um so a long time ago, um early in Mark Rosewater's career as a designer, uh they started naming different types of players and there were three types um, one was, quote-unquote, the tournament player, and they named Timmy's and Johnny's. And eventually, they had to come up with a name um, for a marketing purpose, and they called the tournament players uh, Spikes. So right. back in 2002, there was an article, and then there was another article in 2006, basically a revisited version. And Mark Rosar talks about these terms um, very frequently on the Mothership site. And basically, a spike is just a serious, competitive tournament player that um, plays to to win. So that's a, that's a spike, and our show is basically off of, uh, uh, we're both, both Jonathan and I are, are spikes, and uh, um, we have, our name is based on this cute little interaction with uh, uh, an old card that is a very spiky card called Four Spike. So, that's it. All right, and uh, yeah, Four Spikes is kind of devoted to that type of player. Greg and I both would fall under that category. Um, so uh, on with uh, our guest. Um, so, Megan, you are the MTG mom, as you're known. Um, can we hear about how that uh, name got started for you? And I know you went over a little bit of this with your interview with uh, Robert, which all of our listeners should check out because it's phenomenal. But um, just in case anyone hasn't heard it, we'll just uh, go over a little bit of that info again. Yeah, um, I started a Google Calendar about a year and a half ago, and it was basically, there were so many events locally that I was trying to figure out where I was going to go and what I was going to do, um, and when I was going to have time to see my family and, you know, other things, that I put together this calendar and started sharing it locally, and then I figured I needed to know about the GPs and, you know, domestic PTs, so I put all of those on there, and then gradually it just grew to adding other people that weren't local, so adding their PTQs and everything else. And if I'm adding one PTQ, I might as well add them all. Um, 
and you know, I had about 100, 150 people that were had access to the calendar, and I decided I might as well just put it on a website where other people can access the information that they're probably looking for that I'm already doing anyway. Does your site show how many uh, people actually uh, like use it each each time, or how many hits you get? Not on the site. I have you know, on the back end. I have that information. Okay, um, and uh, is that is that public information or is that uh, just for your own personal uses? Um, no, I mean there's advertising on there now, okay. so it's it, it's very public. Um, so in a, in a, in a kind of, you know if you were to kind of estimate on average, what would you say the usage of the site is now? Um, right now it's you know probably average two hundred a day with you know, the GP spiking last weekend spiking. Um, I just put up the event photos from the star city invitational. So I'm sure that that'll drive more traffic. Nice. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting, first of all, because, well, first of all, I find it fascinating that this tool has come about that you've created this because it's something that was so needed but lacking because the wizard site, from my, you know, this is just my personal opinion, was so uh, hard to use and inaccessible and poorly formatted, and also didn't include a bunch of other uh, information that you now put on there. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of interesting is that we live in an age now where if the needs are the needs aren't being met, you can just hop on. You know, create this calendar. You do the legwork behind it, but you know it's pretty quickly up there. And now, like you're saying, 200 people a day or whatever it is, all these people are getting use out of it. Um, and you know that wouldn't have existed a while ago. So it's pretty cool um, that we have the technology and the resources and the people who have initiative like yourself to get into that. Um, do you feel like now that you're meeting this need? Uh, Wizards has taken any note of it and they want to maybe revamp what they're doing to meet it, or are you just going to kind of continue to fill this role uh, for the magic community? Um, You know, I've heard different things about how they want, you know, how other people were like, why didn't I think of this? Um, And, you know, for now, I'll I'll keep doing it. I like it. Um, And it's, it's definitely not out there. And as you said, you know, some of the stuff is hard to find on the wizard site. And people have been complaining that, about that for a while. So I don't know that that's anything that they're going to change anytime soon. You know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that it, it's very unfortunate in the day and age that we're in that somebody's missing a PTQ or missing, you know, any of the events because they couldn't find the information or, you know, they didn't know about it and they would have gone. And then they have to regret that. You know, so I don't think there's there's any good reason for that right now. Mm-hmm. Or even or even the timeliness of the information. That's like that. That's been the biggest struggle for me as a as a magic player. It's not so much that I can't I can't find the information when I'm looking for it. If I know to look for it, and I'm going to spend an hour looking for well, where are the, all the GPS, where are all the PTQs, I can probably find it if I look really hard. But if I didn't, if I didn't hear about the PTQs that were announced um, like three months ago, well, then there's there's a good chance that two weeks out, I'm not going to find out about it until the week of, and it's now too late to make plans or whatever. Yeah, I know. I think that's the hugest 
that's the hugest advantage for me as a player. Um, that definitely, like, I, I definitely use your site. Um, it's so convenient to literally just go forward a couple of weeks and say, "All right, well, where am I going to be?" and and make hotel arrangements and and carpool arrangements based on on that information. It's very convenient. Totally. And I'm just going to take a quick uh, second to introduce uh, Russell Lilly, who is our uh, semi-frequent guest host now, uh, who is able to join us. Uh, hey, Russell. Hey, guys. And uh, Russell, so you know we have Megan, the MTG mom, uh, on with us. Uh, I, I did hear about that on the last uh, podcast that you guys had, so that's really exciting to be talking to Megan. Sweet. And um, Megan, and your, so the site is mtgmom.com, and the Twitter is Twitter slash uh, or at Life on Auto. Um, can I ask where that came from as well? Yeah, um, Life on Auto. I ended up making my moto name a while back, mm-hmm. and it started out when Kit used to play poker at like you know people's house years and years ago when we were still in high school, mm-hmm. and I would always auto post his blinds. But <laughs> this is you know in real life, I would auto post his blinds. Right. Right. And, you know, at Magic Tournaments, I would take his life total. And, you know, all these things that I do to try and make his life easier. So that's kind of where it came from, that I try to make his life on auto. That's awesome. Wow, he is a lucky man. That's that's sweet. And uh, what was your first ever uh, Magic the Gathering experience, the first time you actually saw a Magic card? I think it was he had started hanging out with a mutual friend of ours that like I'd grown up with that person moved away. Kit had randomly met him. They became friends. Kit and I became friends. And then I was like, Oh, you know, this friend of mine, you know, and, um, they, they were playing magic and I went over there and, um, you know, they would play and I would just kind of watch. And eventually I started playing and getting more involved. Okay, and uh, what was your first deck? Elves. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, do you remember what like set that was around? Onslaught. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean it was back. I started playing like early two thousand three, mm-hmm. around then, and um, you know I had my Well Wisher deck. So. Sure. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, do you still are you still uh, an elf fan? Um, I'm still a Wellwisher fan. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was cool when LSD won with elves and, you know, I like to see elves do well, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of one of the most interesting perennial archetypes and tribes that, that have really made it, them and goblins have really kind of made the rounds like thralls, you know, came and went. You know, you had, uh, you know, the fairies had their moment to shine and, mm-hmm. you know, but elves have really, they've been pretty consistent. Elves and goblins have really done their, their job. Um, and, and, and merfolk. Yeah. Yeah, merfolk. But merfolk. really, I mean, that's just the exclusive group of tribes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, uh, now Megan, what is the furthest that you've ever traveled for a magic tournament? We went to Worlds in Rome last year. Oh, Nice. Yeah, I mean, we we got really lucky because um, his family lives over in Greece, and we decided that we would go visit them for Thanksgiving. And hey, by the way, there just happens to be this magic tournament in Rome, <laughs> right near Thanksgiving. Nice. So. Well, that's something to be thankful for. 
No, I was I was very thankful. <laughs> it was an awesome trip. And do they celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in Rome? No, um, we ended up having like the American families that his family knows over there, mm-hmm. um, and they came together and had a Thanksgiving dinner. But we we did it very late. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with anything about Greeks and their eating times, but it was like. 10 p.m., 11 p.m. that we were eating Thanksgiving dinner. Oh wow! So, yeah, and it's not, and that's it's not a light meal. No, <laughs> but it, you know it was awesome, and we don't get you know they're so far away that we don't get to see them often. So it was nice to spend that holiday with them. I bet it worked really well with the uh, food coma too, because that just leads right into your uh, your evening yep. know, sleeping time. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All that tryptophan uh, knocks you right out. Better than Valium. Right. And tastier. <laughs> Indeed. You you talked kind of about how you, you... You talked about how you first, you know, decided to set up the website. Um, but it actually looks like, and I'm, I'm checking it out right now, uh, it looks like it's actually grown a little bit and it's it's changed formats. It's even easier to read now, which is awesome. I like the listing you have it in. Um, and there's also... Uh, event photos and resources up there as your tabs on the top. Um, so has has there been kind of an evolution? I mean, there, there's always going to be that, right? The more that you it's, grow something, but has there been any um, kind of interesting changes that has come across any surprises or anything? There's that a lot of stuff like in the talks, in the works, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to make the most of it, trying, you know, just getting all this feedback from people mm-hmm. uh, on what they want. You know, we made it so that it was sortable. You know, if you go over to the right, there's a little arrow next to the print button, and you can sort by PTQ, just the PTs, just the Star City. Oh, theory. wow. Um, I didn't even you know, that those that things sweet. that you can, you know, the everything else is like um, the $500 cash tournaments, $1,000 cash tournaments. Oh, cool. You know, um, some of the smaller tournaments. But, um, you know, just trying to make it as user-friendly and what people want and what people need. Um, And, again, taking their feedback and trying to make what I can with what I have, you know. Um, And the calendar tips is actually really cool because, one, it shows you how to filter, but, two, you can sync it with your phone, So I love it because I can always, you know, somebody's, oh, when is that event? And if there's a chance that I don't know the date off the top of my head, then it's not too hard to find it. Wow, that's awesome. And it works with Google Sync. Awesome. Yeah, I have it on my phone. I love it. Um, And it's great because I can add events to it, you know, from my phone. Sure, sure. uh, Which makes it easy if I'm somewhere and there's a date change or, you know, there's something and you manually input all of that, right? I do. Wow. Uh, How much you know, time does that I think take? that's part of the really important thing that I'm trying to work with TOs on now is having them send me the the information because it, there's so much out there sure. that I can't find it all on my own. Sure. Uh, you, do, you do have a little so, thing on there for if there's an event not listed, please let me know with a link to you. But do you, have, has the tournament organizers been pretty helpful with that? Yeah, I mean, the ones that I've contacted have been great about it. I actually met a few people over the weekend um, at the Star City event where um, they were like, what's what's your website? And I told them, and I was like, you know, anything that's not like your weekly Tuesday night draft kind of thing, 
you know, anything that's a special event, you know, I want on the calendar. And all I want you to do is email me your information. So that's awesome. So I try to make it as easy for them and it's obviously beneficial for them as well as beneficial for me. Sure. And, uh, how, how long, like how much upkeep or maintenance does it actually take to run this thing? If, if you'd had to say, you know, on average, I mean, it, it, it's not that bad. It depends on, you know, when the next PTQ schedule comes out, that's going to be, you know, um, more time than I usually have to deal with it. But right now it's just trying to make sure that the stuff is still accurate because sometimes PTQ dates will change, locations will change, and there's no way unless the TO informs me that people are going to find that out. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm checking weekly that the events for the weekend are still where they're supposed to be. Uh, Russell, did you want to hop in? Yeah, yeah, I had a question um, that kind of related to time and and spending it on hobbies. Uh, uh, Megan, I don't know if you do a lot of other uh, geeky things. I, I personally do uh, some role playing on the side, and when I kind of compare the amount of time that uh, the magic takes to the amount of time that role playing, you know, D and D stuff like that takes, I'm just wondering if you found that uh, do you spend a lot more time on uh, magic than other games and hobbies that you are involved in? Um, magic is, is pretty much my life right now. Um, and I love it that way. I wouldn't want it any other way. But when, uh, I did play WoW for a while, um, and not the card game. Uh, and that was very, very time intensive, but it was much more, it was less social. You know, you're on your computer all the time. And, uh, I, I prefer magic. I love the social side of it. So... Definitely. Do you do any any play online? Uh, on Moto? Yeah. Um, not often. Um, but I have. I have an account, and um, I, I usually just go on there to see how people are doing in different tournaments. You've got to be able to railbird from everywhere. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Definitely. It's a pretty cool thing that you have going on for yourself, but also for your husband, I would imagine. And if you could talk a little bit about that, I think it would be interesting to hear how, you know, if, I don't know exactly how to word it correctly, but as a couple, you know, you guys both have this mutual hobby and some people might say, well, you know, I want to have my own time to do my own thing. And this is, you know, I play poker with the guys and we get out the cigars and blah, blah, or, you know, or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there's really something to be said for uh, the opposite of that, which is a mutual, uh, you know, kind of uh, bonding time, if you will, and something that can really strengthen a relationship. Um, you know, is that is that kind of how you see it? or? I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it strengthens the relationship because we have this common interest that we can talk about all the time, and he has his friends come over, which are now my friends too, but, you know... I don't feel left out. I don't feel excluded. I don't feel unwanted. You know, they're talking and I understand what they're talking about. You know, I think that that's, you know, some, some females have an issue with magic and they tend to not want to be involved because they don't understand. And so very early on, I decided that I wouldn't take that path, that not understanding or feeling left out just wasn't something I was going to do. I was going to get myself involved. And luckily Kit's been great about, you know, 
about me being involved and not saying, no, I want my guy time. So I, I'm fortunate too. He's not the only one. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's really interesting. I never actually thought about it like that, but that actually makes a ton of sense. And it's kind of, yeah, it's like, it is, I could imagine if, if some people come over and, you know, it can be a really exclusive conversation talking about, you know, the metagame or whatever tournaments are coming up or whatever else. And it's a whole nother language if, if you're not, uh, it, you know, we'll go out to dinner and it'll be, you know, one of the other girlfriends there and she'll be so frustrated and she's like, I don't want them to talk about magic. Right. You've got five or six magic players. Like, that's what they're going to do. There's a PTQ next weekend. There's a GP next weekend. You know, like, that's why they're together. Right. That's their common interest. And I personally, I don't think that it it's reasonable to expect that. I think that, sure, there can be times when you're like, hey, we're going to go watch a movie. Don't talk during the movie, you know. But even then, they still do. Right. Um, you know, but I, I think that. I think it's all on how you take it. You can look at the situation and be upset about it and not involve yourself, or you can involve yourself and make the most of what, you know, if you don't want to be involved and you don't care, then that's a completely different story. But I think it's, I can't imagine if he was traveling all the time and, you know, I wasn't with him and, you know, I had to spend all these weekends by myself. I would hate it. Well, I just feel like I got put in my place. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Smackdown. Yeah, because, man, I never, I never, I have to say, I, and I'm kind of an insensitive jerk sometimes, but I never, I never thought about it like that. And that is really a fascinating perspective that, you know, that that's so true because that does kind of, you know, that can tend to happen sometimes. And if it, you know, and it makes sense why for some people, like you saying the girlfriend that you're going out with to dinner or whatever, you know, that can almost breed resentment sometimes because this you know if you have a finite amount of time and your partner is you know either immediately taking it away from you or uh you know kind of you know your your presence is being um overwhelmed by the presence of this other thing then it can't you know it could be uh, yeah that yeah that is really interesting i'm gonna have to think about that tonight Um, Greg, what do you think? I'm on the same train as you, um, <laughs> uh, with, with, with some slight exceptions. Um, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's fascinating. It's definitely you've, fascinating. You've um, speechlessified us, Megan. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and, which, is, which is a great feat. I mean, I imagine, like, a good, 30%, a good uh, 70% of our listener base is like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, not, uh, Hopefully not that's a good thing, I guess. But. Yeah, it's just it's it's, it's definitely a good thing. I, and well, and the other thing is that I'm I'm uh, you know Diana is going to be coming home soon. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll you know she doesn't you know she she obviously she can't even listen to this podcast because she doesn't know. And, and you know I'll, I'll say this too: a buddy of ours who um, I think is a regular listener to the show, Ben. Uh, who Greg used to work with, and Russell, I think you cubed with him. Um, not, or was it the last time or the one before? Yeah, yep, oh, last time. Yep. So ben. Ben's girlfriend is, uh, well, he's getting her into magic, and he's they. I think they played the Jace versus Chandra decks or something like that. But he started her off, and now he's kind of teaching her, and she's really into it. 
um, although she had no previous exposure, but he's really just, uh, you know, he, he wants to be able to play with her. He wants her to be up on it and, and, um, have that be one more thing, I guess, that they can do together. Um, and when he was taking that approach, I have to say, like, I had all, and I think we even talked about this. We had Diana on one of our shows before and we, 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 yeah, we touched briefly on something like this where it's like, and, and first of all, to our listeners, we're going Dr. Phil today. So, you know, (laughs) that's just how it goes. It would, you know, but this is real. This is real. So keep it real. And I have to say that she, um, I, I was very hesitant to, uh, have any interest in showing the game at all for a couple of reasons. One being that I don't want to, I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm kind of pushing myself on someone else all the time. And we have to do everything that I want to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like that's one thing is that I think it's important that, you know, she has her interests and I encourage that and vice versa. And I want to be, you know, I, I, I think, I thought that that was a really good thing that you can both have your own things going on in your own times for it. Um, and then the other thing is that I feel like women are very not like, you know, and this is my limited experience, but from my own personal perspective, nothing statistical, but from my own personal perspective, it's like women in magic often are almost like very much disrespected, sexualized and objectified even more so than normal society. And it's kind of like, do I really want someone that I care that much about to have to like deal with all those comments or to maybe even, you know, I'm going to get upset about something. I'm going to have to say something that might get me in trouble when I feel like her honor is being put in question or what have you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, so that's even another factor. And then on top of that, I got my own inadequacy issues. If she starts beating the crap out of me, what am I going <laughs> to do, man? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that when you touch on the, the, level of respect. Um, if, if you feel like that's an issue, I don't know that not bringing her necessarily improves the situation. I mean, obviously you don't want her to be around that kind of thing, but I think that the only way that'll change is by having other females in the environment and working to change how people think of them being there. Right. right. So if nobody brought their female, you know, companions, then it may just always stay that way. You know, another kind of difficult part about, uh, you know, teaching your significant other the game is uh, there's a, if, if you want to get to be good at magic um, beyond just like a real casual kitchen table player, there's a lot of hard lessons that you have to learn uh, in order to get to the point where you're competitive. You know, I mean, it, and and even when you're teaching someone that you're not dating or married to or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, you have to – there comes a point in, in teaching someone the game where you have to stop, uh, you know, leaving the kid gloves on. And no, you, absolutely. You know, when you learn about how important lands are or whatever because you've just been stoned rain three games or, you know, three – rounds in a row, three turns in a row. Right. And, you know, there's there's just so many lessons like that that are just so, can be so painful. And when you compound that with a relationship, that can really blur those lines between, you know, the game, what's going on in the game, and what's going on in the relationship. So that can be another area where it can be a little sticky. I think so. that one of the best things that I've seen is when it's not the significant other teaching her to play. It's Definitely. one of their friends. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way to do it. Um, Because she's more comfortable. She doesn't, and this is my experience, is that 
you know, her issue is she doesn't want her boyfriend, her husband, whoever, to think less of her because she she's not good. But Mm -hmm. if she can be with this other person who I'm sure, you know, she respects to some degree, but isn't as worried about, you know, whether they're going to break up with her if she loses, um, you know, it can kind of take some of the edge off of that. And it doesn't put so much pressure on the boyfriend. You know, the boyfriend's not stressing out or worried or the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think something that a lot of guys seem to, miss is that a lot of females do want to play. I hear it all the time of, well, he won't teach me. He won't teach me. And and I think that's unfortunate if they're trying to get involved with your hobby and you're saying no. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're making it, they're telling you they want to make the effort. That's a good point. And I hear it a lot. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, um, from my from my particular perspective, um, Allison is, has has no interest in learning how to play the game. But the reality is, she has no interest. Be- I, I would say, in large part, because of the um, the culture around that possibility of okay, well, um, do I have any interest in her learning? And basically, a lot of what Jonathan was talking about, where 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 he is at. Um, or, or where he has been when it comes to his relationship um, and and how magic interacts with um, his significant other is very similar to to my relationship and how magic interacts in our in our world um, it's it is it is a hobby of mine that I am extremely passionate about and it is something that um, I, I have felt in, in the past, and I think this is, this, is, this is changing, which is a big part of why I've been very quiet uh, uh, throughout this conversation. In, in the past, I've really thought of it as something where um, a, a lot of why I'm attracted to Allison is because of our differences, um, mm-hmm. our strengths being so dr- drastically different. And if, if, more th- if, we were, if we had more things that were not just you know, in common, but things that we were both passionate about, that there would be a higher level of competition. And having competition in that way, I've, I've feared would be a, um, a negative and not a positive. So if, if, if she were to actually have any, any um, interest in playing, there's a good chance that I have successfully you know, killed that um, at least from a, from her perception of whether she's interested in the game or not. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, don't I, wrong. I, don't I hate playing that? against Kit, and Kit hates playing against me. Um, you know, but I really think that. I mean, think about if you want a Grand Prix, if you want a Pro Tour. That person is the most special person in your life. And if they're not involved, at least to some degree, they can't begin to understand what that means to you. And you can't share that with them the same way that you may if if they're more involved. Well, I, think you're, I think you're, but that's you're also, head up. And that, that's also kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Because do you win the Grand Prix first or do you teach them how to play Magic first? Oh, I mean, I think you teach them how to play <laughs> Magic first. But. Oh, that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the other path. <laughs> um. Just trying yeah, to no, so I, I'm now yeah. even more fascinated in how you got to where you 
where you are in terms of your relationship with Kit? Like, in terms of the fundamentals, was it really just something that you 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 decided? I'm not going to settle for being the you know significant other of this magic player like all these other magic players, or was it just something that because when he started magic, you were with him, that you were you kind of had the opportunity to grow with him? I, I honestly, I think part of it was that I wanted to impress him. You know, we were 17. Like, sure. I wanted to be that cool girlfriend who knew about his hobby. You know, I wanted to be the girl that um, was interested in whatever he was interested in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the years, it it morphed into something where I think magic is, is mine, too. It's not just his, and I get to share it. You know, I've taken ownership of it as something of mine as well. Not only that, but you've even become kind of, I don't know if you can say celebrity in magic because it's such a kind of narrow field, but basically a celebrity here. And you've really been successful in your own right, um, which, you know, aside from successes in tournaments and everything else is is a whole other thing. So you've even kind of elevated it, which is pretty cool. And he's got to really appreciate that. Not to mention the fact that all your help with logistics and planning is probably pretty useful. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine the last time that he booked his own hotel. (laughs) There's a lot of people who are very good at magic, and it's a very particular talent, but it does not translate necessarily into booking flights or knowing different time zones (laughs) or being organized or anything like that. (laughs) You could be like a magic travel agent. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, it's actually (laughs) funny because Gindy messaged me on Monday, and I was like, are you going to Richmond? Because he had talked about going, you know, he was cute. And he's like, I can't find a cheap flight. All the flights are really expensive. And I was like, wow, I just found a flight that I was looking at for 180 out of Orlando. And he's like, no way. So, you know, he booked his flight and that meant I was going to book mine too. You know, it was, if you go, I'll go. And um, it, it worked out well for him since he, you know, top aided. That's pretty awesome. Yep. It was, you know, and I think it's funny because you're right. You know, last night we were sitting in the hotel room, and it was Sam Black, AJ, Gindy, uh, Corey McDuffie, and Tom Ross. And Tom Ross is currently sitting on 18 pro points, but is not going to Worlds. And they're like, you're crazy, what are you doing? You know, and Sam Black was trying to convince him to go to Worlds, you know, just book a flight and, and just go. And uh, it was probably two or three hours of back and forth and making phone calls and trying to see you know, if they could make it happen. And uh, Tom Ross didn't have his passport. You know, there's other logistical issues. But, um, you know, he said he really wanted to go, but it was just too short notice. But Sam Black did everything in his power to try and make it happen. And it's it's also interesting, the type of community that, that builds from that, just, you know, out of necessity and also just, you know, it's just human nature, obviously, but... Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, have there been any? Uh, have you have you had any experiences with kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of people think that the world is just kind of chaotic and everything happens the way we make it, and then there's no predetermination. And other people say, well, everything happens for a reason, and it all work itself out in the end. Have you had anything where it's like everything kind of went wrong, but through a bunch of coincidences or however it happened, it kind of like everything fell into the right place and it worked out the way it's supposed to be? I mean, in San Juan, there were quite a few things that went wrong, but I'm not sure that anything fell into the right place. 
you know, we had our the plumbing in the building we were in backed up, and uh, that that was fun. Um, Colossa lost his wallet. Jerry and Colossa missed their flight. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, well, everybody. I, I'll, say this, so. I'll say this. I'll say this. Megan. Me, you know, we were in Puerto Rico last year. Uh, it's a pretty dope place. I guess missing your flight wouldn't be the worst thing, right? Well, I mean, they missed their flight and caught the next one. Oh, but, okay. They didn't get an extra, like, week in the bio bay or anything like that? No, well, they were coming from the GP in D.C. into San Juan for the Pro Tour. Oh, and uh, they fell asleep at the gate, so... <laughs> I- I'm sure, if you can imagine my planning... Um, <laughs> How how well I took the fact that they missed their flight. Right, right, right. But <laughs> Not I, I guess it all worked out. You know, they both made it. That's funny. I, I coming back from uh, Puerto Rico. Just on a, a quick tangent, side note, I had a funny story. I had a bunch of jams that you know, exotic, whatever, like guava jams or whatever. Like my parents were like that stuff, so I decided to get them. And of course, you know, nine eleven. As we're going through the airport security there, they're just like, "You can't take this. It's a liquid thing." I'm like, "A liquid? This is a freaking jam, dude. You put it on your bread." And they're like, <laughs> "No, it's a liquid. It's not a solid. You know, it's." Could be, and I like, dude. I will like open this up right now and eat it and prove it's nothing that's going to be harmful. Like, just you know, stop hassling me, put it through. Because I had a bunch, I had like things of jam with me, right? So I'm just like, you know, and I'm going back and forth, and they're like, no, no way. So then, you know, my kind of, uh, you know, my training kicks, and I bust out my notepad, and I'm like, hi, what's your name? You know, who's the supervisor here? Da da da, and I start, you know, like writing random (laughs) stuff down that's totally irrelevant, and I start going off and. You know, they're like, and they're in like the, you know, kind of like look at each other, like, all right, all right, go through. I'm like, what? I'm like, man, what if I was a terrorist? I just got all this stuff. <laughs> I guess I should have tried that when I, uh, when they threw out my frosting on my way to Austin. They threw out your frosting? They told me I had cupcakes and I had two things of frosting and I knew, like, I knew it wasn't going to get through, but I figured, what do I have to lose? Like, they're a dollar fifty or something each. Um, so I had the frosting, and they stopped the entire security line, like, call, like, code red kind of thing. And they saw the cupcakes. I'm like, it's just the frosting for the cupcakes. Oh and they're God. like, ma'am, ma'am, please hold on. And I'm like, oh, gosh, it's just the frosting. And they're like, if you want to go back out through security and ice these cupcakes, then you can bring them through. And I'm like, Which I'm that sure you so wanted bad. to do. Like, why Why can I put them on the cupcakes, but they can't be sealed in the container? Like, I, I don't understand. Well, but, maybe, um, I mean, the only thing I could think of was they're actually on a personal mission to combat American obesity. Yeah, besides that, it could be. No, I think they just wanted to eat my frosting. Oh, that makes sense, too. Yeah, I, uh, I've been to Israel about seven times now. And each time I come here and I go through security here and I've been through there, it's just incredible. I mean, that's a whole nother show, but yeah, the security here is just ridiculous. Um, and do you, and in your kind of MTG momness, are you, are you traveling completely on your own dime to all these things? Uh, I am. I mean, you know, kids dime too, but. Right, right. So in I mean, because you do some work, right? Like, I looked at your site, and you do some, you're saying you do some photography for some of the websites, right? And some of the um, I work part-time for Chick Fireball doing marketing. Mm-hmm. 
Which, by the way, everyone should check out. Channel Fireball is the bomb. Those guys are amazing, do great work, and they should really be applauded for, you know, we gave them shout-outs last time, but they're phenomenal. Um, but on that note, do you ever, like, is there a chance that you could become, that you could make something out where you'd actually get sponsored to go to these things and you wouldn't have to worry about... Heaven knows I would love that. Yeah, because you're, you're kind of like putting in a lot of your own time and money into making, you know, into and you're doing a lot, but it's like... This is almost something that you could be getting paid for eventually, right? Well, I've got advertising on the site now, so that's that's helping. Is that um, what is that? A, I mean, not to get into your business, but does that does that really start to pay off? Or uh, it's fairly recent, so the goal is that hopefully it will. And can, how can we help support that? Should we just go on your site and? You know, rapid click all the links and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's trying to refresh. get to refresh. All right, we just gave you a couple. <laughs> yeah, and all of our listeners should definitely do that as well because it is a great thing. And and the other fact of the matter is that you know I'm always looking to support anything that's going to help out the magic community and help grow this game stronger, bring new people, and make it more accessible. Any of that stuff. And you know, like like we try to plug. Channel Firebox, they do such great work, but in a case like this, where it's completely on your own dime, your own initiative, and something you just saw a need you want to fill, you know, we really hope that people will be so, you know, Gigi's Live is another example of that, but, right. you know, we, we really hope that, that our listeners will be supportive of that and, and support you, and do you have, um, is there a, an, is there any MTG Mom fan site in the works, like on Facebook, we can click a like and... You know, I don't... It's come up quite a bit lately, and I feel awkward creating that page myself. Right. Um, No, no, no. you got to have a kid do it. you (laughs) got to have a kid do that. Um, (laughs) Now, it's definitely on, like, the list of of things that that are in the works. Okay. Well, uh, cool. Well, let us know as soon as this, and we'll get it in our our next show. We'll we'll give a plug and also give some show notes for it. but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a cool thing. And, you know, it, it makes it so much easier, like Greg was saying, to plan out your month because you hear things that you'd never hear before. I don't know all these other tournaments that you're linking on there, Megan. I, you know, I don't, like, have time to, or patience mm-hmm. to look through all these random websites and do all this stuff. But you really have so much content on there. It's like, oh, that's actually pretty close to me. That's in the Midwest. That's, you know, not too far. And, and it's it's awesome because and, – and you actually do it for – like it's 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 not just for this coming week, right? You have it planned out for quite a while on some of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, through the end of 2011 with the Pro Tours and the GPs, mm-hmm. um, through half of 2011 with the Star City events, and again, anything else the TOs will send me, I'll put on there. And that's awesome. Yeah. So any tournament organizers or friends of tournament organizers are listening to this, uh, you know, you use that resource and hit her up. Um, and it's and it's also one of those cool things where you're not really in competition with anyone, and you're only like growing the pie larger, as some economists would say. You're only like helping. It's it's such a symbiotic relationship. You know? Exactly. So that's great. So, uh, is there is there any uh, kind of cross promotion stuff that you do with other websites or services or um, you know, some of the sites that are on there are linking from, you know, their website. Okay. So that's been great. You know, some of the TOs, some of the blogs, you know, Jerry put it on his blog. Um, and, you know, it's it's been great to have such good community support from the players. 
That's awesome. And uh, is there... Uh, let, me, let me put it like this. Is there any... Um, and I just say because it came up tonight, but any... Uh, how, I, I, I'm going to have a little trouble wording it, so bear with me, listeners and Megan and Russ and Greg. Um, but if people wanted to have a further or more in-depth discussion about any of the topics we discussed tonight, um, including, and this is what I'm kind of getting caught up on, but including, like, you know, with their girlfriends or, you know, boyfriends or whatever it is, you know, get involved with the game. Um, is there, besides Twitter, is there a good place where they should hit you up at or just through the website? or? I mean, yeah, I go to the website. My email address is on there. Um, and, you know, I, I'm pretty chatty, so... <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and it's okay if if uh, people want to further that discussion because I think it's an interesting topic that doesn't get a ton of play, um, but it is. I mean, but everyone playing Magic wants it to grow bigger and wants more people to be playing. Like that's just a fact, right? Because the better it does for everyone, the better it does for everyone. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, gotten to meet any of the celebrities that play like David Williams or um, Evelyn Ng or anyone else like? That? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good friends with Eric Froelich, so with that comes David Williams, you know? Oh, cool. Uh, so, um, and, uh, you know, Oman is a Florida player that plays poker, so. That's pretty cool. It's it's always interesting that the two when the two cultures kind of cross over, because, and tell me if this is your experience, most of the professional poker players I hear... And I, I was having this discussion with Greg before as well, um, but they they say that poker is how they can make their money. You can't. It's it's not even comparable how much the difference in money is, right? But as far as fun, like they much prefer magic. Oh, I, I think that that's across the board. I mean, you've got Ben Stark that's playing poker and magic, Efro playing poker and magic, Nasif playing poker and magic. You know, but poker's their work and magic's their fun for the most part. Yeah, I was at, uh, in one of the Grand Prix's, I was playing the last round and played this guy who was just chatting with, and he was a professional poker player by trade, um, and I was just talking to him, and he's like, yeah, you know, I really want to be, um, playing more Magic, but I have to support myself, and I'm actually losing by playing this Grand Prix, even if I do mm-hmm. as well as possible, I'm losing tons of money, and he went into the details, and it was quite a bit of money, but he was like, but it's totally worth it, and I really just, you know, it's just such a great game that, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice a considerable amount of potential money to to be here, and, and that was pretty interesting to hear. Well, they had that issue with um, GPDC and PT San Juan this year. Because that was right around the World Series, and you know, I think I think it's a testament to how great Magic is that these players are willing to miss their major poker tournaments to come play. Mm-hmm. What do y'all and and not just this is open up to Russ and Greg as well as Megan. What do you guys think the reason for that is? Why is Magic such a draw, and why is it such a good game that's standing <laughs> the time so far? Well, I, I guess from my point of view, uh, and having played poker nowhere near professionally, but certainly, you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've played in house games uh, plenty of times before. But I think that Magic is a more complex game than poker. I think the subtleties are a lot more, you know, poker is a game that's that's all about math. And Magic is a game 
where math plays a part in the playing of the game and to a certain part in, you know, building your deck, but there are a whole lot more different types of cards in magic than there are in poker. There's more types of hands in magic than there are in poker. So I think the complexity and the subtlety is a lot greater than you find in poker. And and a lot of times, you know, this kind of goes back to the rules changes that they did in in uh um M eleven, where a lot of the, the choices that you see now are complex. Decisions are a lot more important now than they were when damage was on the stack. You know, when damage was on the stack, there was one clear best choice of how to do s- certain interactions with cards. And and that's the way it is in poker. You know, a lot of times when you know the the math behind your hand, there's a very clear point where you're making the right decision and a very clear point where you're making the wrong decision. But the way magic is now, uh, you know, there are a lot of different choices that you can make, all of which can kind of be defended as not necessarily the right decision or the wrong decision. So I, that's where I come out. Well, I think it also has to do with, you know, you've got new sets coming out, you've got new utilities, and and you don't really have that with poker, you know? Definitely. But magic is fresh and new and changing. And, again, these guys, there's they want to show that they're the best at whatever's going on. And, you know, they sure, they did well at the last GP, but now it's a different format. So they have to show up and do well in this format, too. I think I think Megan just hit it on the head. Um, there's there there are a number of pieces of what Russ just said that I that I I, I kind of disagree with, but I, I guess where the conversation is going is is really where I'd like it to. <laughs> um, in terms of the freshness is vital to why these these high level poker players find magic so interesting. It's the fact that. Every time that they come back, the longer that they've been away, the more of a challenge it actually is. And the fact that it is a um, that there is this unique challenge that is based entirely in um, changes to the to the way that the game um, existed the last time that they played is something that that is totally the opposite of the way that poker is. Poker as a game fundamentally doesn't change. That's that's why you can um, you can do some of the things that you can do in terms of, of, of ride your understanding of the game to to the, the length that you can. I think it's a lot more than just math. I don't think that it's nearly as clear um, as as Russ kind of implied that it is. I think um, it's a, there's a confusion there between poker and and like chess. I think chess, you know, you have all of the information in front of you. There, luck is n- a non-factor, um, and it's and it's really about you know your strategy choices and blah blah blah. Um, but when it comes to poker, I think that that reading the player and the variability is 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 very real, and I think that that. The, the top echelon of players all have the ability, all have the ability to to take those things into account. And it becomes, in, in, in effect, um, m- mostly math, but I wouldn't. Yeah, well, I, I guess I, I should probably qualify. I was thinking more from an online point of view, and, and certainly when we're talking about 
uh, magic as being, pl- or I mean, uh, poker being played for a living, a lot of times you, what you're doing is playing a combination of online and in-person events. Sure. When you're when you're in person, there is a part of playing the player and and reading people and things like that. There's a component of that that's definitely in there. But the the core foundation of poker is math based. And when you look at playing poker online, when people grind online. It's all math online. There, there is no reading. Uh, there is, you know, a tiny percentage of reading the player, but you don't bluff someone online, or, or you certainly don't do it as much as you do it in person. And so, a lot of the 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 things that you do online are are math based. Um, so that's kind of where I was coming from on that. But, but you're you're definitely right that um, there there is a big part of of the the unknown in in dealing with other people at the table and and face to face reading the player and things like that can can have as big an impact as the math on it right and uh and um I know that uh Megan your time tonight is fairly short because you did not get very much sleep last night and you have a lot of stuff going on uh so we want to be respectful of your time do you have time for one more question of course Okay, um, or or as much as you want to stand for, but I want to make sure we're being respectful of that. Um, just uh, out of curiosity, um, and not to divulge, diverge too much from the, the, the poker um, talk and magic stacked up against under ga- other games, but as far as um, your personal play, have you? do you guys have a... Uh, well, I have a, a two-tier question. One, what is your favorite format? And two, um, how... Uh, do, do you have a cube in your community? Because I'm going to assume that that's what your favorite format is because it's the bomb. Um, well, my my favorite is limited just because I think that for me, it's I can watch it and, and grasp it a lot faster. And when I don't have as much time to put into it, I can watch the drafts and still be doing other things but be picking up on it. Um, so I really like... I really like... Limited, but we actually do have a cube um, at our house because I live with uh, two other magic players. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, so we have our own little magic house. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds but, Yeah, so we have a cube downstairs, which it's so funny because every time I draft it, I'm like, man, this deck is so awesome. But, like, that's the whole point is that all the decks are so awesome, right. you know. What's your favorite limited format? I really like triple shards. Really? Um, that was... That's that, interesting. It's probably because that was the, the one I did the best in, you know, my, you know, I felt the most comfortable in, you know, I don't I don't remember what's going on in my life at the time that maybe I just <laughs> had more free time to, to pay attention, but um, I definitely had the most fun and, and enjoyed that. I missed that. I wish I could go back to that every day, just, you know... <laughs> And what what if you could have uh, one archetype or one deck that you had in a triple shards draft? What would that be? Maybe Esper. Okay. It, I, I, it was so funny because we would draft these decks, and you know it was these team drafts, and I was so worried. Now, when when you say when you say triple shards, are you talking about shard shard shards? Yeah, shard shard shards. Okay. Well, okay. So Kit and I are playing in this GPT. Uh huh. And we both happened to top eight, and I played terribly. Like it's really bad how how I played in the Swiss. But we both managed to top eight, and Kit just happens to be sitting to my left. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, I I open up Hellkite 
Overlord. Uh-huh. Um, that's the right one. And I don't, I mean, it, it's eight mana. Like, I don't know if you take that or not. Right, You right. know? And I'm like, I'll just give it to Kit. And he can decide, <laughs> you know? Right. I'm like, he'll either laugh at me later for, like, what the heck are you doing giving this to me? <laughs> me, you know? Right. Um, well, he then happens to pass me two angels. And he had two more dragons. So it was. Oh, wow. It was it was quite quite a funny you know situation where I'm giving him dragons and he's giving me angels, but hey, that is kind of funny. That sounds like a healthy relationship to me. It, it was it was <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. And uh, you're talking about the battle song angels, the three white white uh, four four flyers with exalted that uh, when a creature. I had uh, imperial archangel. Oh, okay. And okay. Balagrace angel. Okay, sure. The imperial. That's the five age shroud guy. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, we were, I mean, you can't help but laugh. Like, I'm trying to, you know, keep a straight face. Right. But, you know, knowing what I'm passing him and what he's passing me, it was just too funny. That's awesome. And that's that's pretty cool. Who did, uh, which, which let me put it like this, do angels beat dragons, or who wins? Well, the- see, it was supposed to be the two of us in the finals. Um, he didn't quite get there. Oh. So uh, I ended up winning but oh snap yeah well he was so funny because he didn't want to play me in the finals and then he couldn't even watch me play (laughs) he was too nervous to watch me play in the finals so oh wow but the angels got there yep that's what's up cool that's awesome and uh yeah and and i remember that and and uh that that five eight in that in that format was just unstoppable like it was so good yeah Cool. Well, um, we have uh, we have a couple other segments we're going to go through, and we uh, love chatting with you, Megan. Do you want to stay around, or do you do you want to? I have to be up at six a.m., so I'm probably going to hop off now. Okay. Well, uh, we we thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, no, thank you, guys. It's been great. And uh, where can our listeners reach you once more? And what's your website? Again, uh, mtgmom.com and Life on Auto on Twitter and uh, there's a link to my Facebook profile on the website. And are you, are you cool with people who you don't really know, like Facebooking you? Yeah. I mean, again, it's all about the community and meeting new people and having fun. So sweet. Exactly. And uh, thanks again so much, Megan. We really appreciate your time tonight. No, yeah, it was great you. to talk to you. And don't forget to check out the new photos that I posted. Absolutely. We'll have a link to those in our show notes for our listeners as well. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. Okay. Talk to you later, Megan. Bye. Okay. All right, fellas. Um, so we have a couple other things we want to go over in this show, but that was really interesting. What a fascinating discussion. I never, I have to say, never thought about that before, and she really opened my eyes to some things that uh, um, will probably lead to some long conversations, but that's really interesting. Anyway, yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, beat a dead horse and we're not going Dr. Phil no more. So our listeners can, can be, can relax. Um, <laughs> but that was really interesting. Okay. So, um, moving right along, Greg, you were recently in a PTQ and we got a request from, uh, Robert Martin. Um, so I've been, I've been playing a lot of Scars Sealed, and um, as of as of late, I've been I've been starting pretty, pretty, uh, 
pretty strong. Uh, I did the same thing here where it was an eight-round PTQ. Uh, it was actually fairly low in numbers. Uh, it was actually barely an eight-round, which is uh, really low for at least the PTQs that I've been in. Um, eight is actually the lowest number of rounds that I've been in for any PTQ. So, um, yeah, anyway, it, the, the the magic number was 6-1-1, um, one and, one, and the possibility of 1-6-2 and two actually getting into the top eight because of that. Um, that few quantity of players um, over the the magic number for seven rounds to, to make it into eight rounds. So anyway, um, I started I started really strong. Uh, I came out of the gate with uh, three three wins. Um, I I had a really long incident in the in the fourth round with a. Uh, with a with a with a player that um, was intentionally slow playing, um, uh, yeah, it. Oh, like. So what, what happened? <laughs> I I don't really even know um, a where to begin or b what kind of detail to go into. So I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of of brevity. Um, but the the long and short is I I ended up having a um, I I requested. Um, respectfully, twice that that the pace of play of uh, um, initially I, we should pick up the pace of play like we should play faster and then um, I really need you to play faster and then uh, he said well you can call a judge okay and then I did and then a judge was watching and uh, this guy and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause real briefly I am a big fan of judges I love what they do. I lo- we need more judges in Milwaukee. We need more judges in the game. Um, like some of my some of my favorite um, types of people to play, to uh, to talk to about this game are level like level two, level three judges. Those like, just fascinating conversations. Absolutely. The stories and, they have, and they 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 work incredibly hard to be as knowledgeable as they are. With what I feel like is often not enough compensation. So we absolutely give. Yeah, huge shout out to our to our judges and all the judges out there. Um, thank you guys so much for what you do, um, Greg. Where's where yeah. this going? So, so the reason why I I, ha- I have to say that is because I do think this is um, is an abnormal situation. Um, I, I happened the the judge that came over uh, instantly the the tone and tune of my opponent changed when when the when the the judge came over. Um, n- no longer was my opponent ever communicating with me. Everything was um, there forward a c- uh, form of communication with my opponent. I mean, excuse me, with my with with the, the judge. Um, it, it was it was it was literally to me like my opponent was flirting with the judge. Um, it was a it was a very very awkward interaction. Um, the the pace of play picked up a little bit, which was uh, which was which was great, um, but then he he started to harass um, harass me, um, like there was a there was an instance where he actually played um, Liege of the Tangle card, cost like eight or nine mana, and it's got like a a really large amount of text, and uh, I I go to pick it up and uh, for the next. Um, 30 seconds while I'm attempting to read it, he's 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 berating me through through the judge by saying, "Judge, slow play, 
Um, um, so, so basically, I mean, basically, the, what what happened is after I I agitated my opponent, he he did everything he could to try and agitate me, and he was right. very successful. Uh, he put me on tilt. I ended up losing the match. Uh, I ended up losing. Uh, I believe I ended up losing that game uh, with true conviction and um, like a fire and some some three three dudes. But he had an early um, worm coil engine, which I was keeping at bay with uh, my three one um, my Volshock replicas. I had, I had two of them in play and another guy when he played his worm coil engine. So basically I just kept my uh, Volshock replicas up and um, like the first time he attacked, I blocked and then I sack it and throw it at his face. And he's like, oh, that's how, that's what you're doing there. Uh, and then he basically didn't attack until he played his liege and he inevitably um, grinded me out by having a million eight, eight lands. So uh, anyway, uh, I ended up losing that game, uh, dropping to... Uh, three and one, and then uh, promptly, like you know, kind of steam off, uh, attempt to collect myself. Um, I, I was very, very frustrated. There was there was some other interactions in, in the course of the game. I actually, I literally felt like I was being harassed at a point. Um, I, I had a I had a, a judge call. I I, I asked the, the judge um, for a ruling based on that. He quickly leaves and talks to a, um, a the head judge. Um, long conferencing, long conferencing. Talk to my opponent, then talk to me, and talk to my opponent again, and then talk to me again. And the ruling was that um, basically, though the the candor of my opponent is um, perhaps quote unquote perhaps inappropriate and and somewhat disrespectful. And I will and I will have a conversation with him to request that he stop that. We don't feel like he is um, he is to the point of like you know harassing or anything that is of a um, even a a written warning level offense. So uh, also the the slow play instances were um, were not uh, there was not a written warning. Either, so I was I was fairly frustrated by the whole interaction. I felt more let down by by the judges because it was at the end of that uh, there was definitely a um, a question where I I asked. So basically, you're saying that even though I you act you you obviously see that I am I am physically just you know drained and and um, frustrated. And I don't feel like that going back and playing this this person is a safe environment. You 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 really have nothing to say to that. And then the uh, the head judge kind of just stood there, which is uh, not very pleasant. So anyway, uh, I I apologize for have, making it a not so brief description of the interaction. But anyway, so I uh, um I I tried to gather myself after after all of that. Um, I think that I made some 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 poor decisions in uh, the subsequent game. I don't remember if we played two or three. I think it was probably two. I think I just um, I think I just lost. But uh, he actually sideboarded into a deck that had no green in it. <laughs> was considerably faster, and uh, um, I think that I I actually beat that deck um, probably nine out of ten games if I if I have a level level head. So. Um, 
anyway, that was frustrating. Um, I then I then came back, won the next uh, the next round, and in the fifth round, uh, excuse me, in the sixth round, played uh, uh, what's becoming a, a pretty good friend of uh, um, Alexis and mine, uh, Lissa, Lissa Jensen, played her again. Um, this time we were both X1 as opposed to XO, like the previous weekend. And uh, again, I come out to to win a, a game, a game one, an early game, an early an early win, and then proceed to lose the next two. Um, yeah, it was uh, very, very, very close. Game two, game three, I, I really don't think I was ever in it, so uh, I lost there. And then uh, probably at that point. Having a four and two record, where even if I win out, I I have a six and two record if 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 I win out there, but I'm having a six and two record with my losses not coming in the, like the last rounds. So I'm probably even if I win out, I'm probably in a situation where I'm like tenth or twelfth or fifteenth or something like that. I probably can't win out and get there, but I can certainly win win some more games and get some packs or. Anyway, I don't know. I just I decided to keep playing. Um, I end up winning in the seventh round and, and then losing in the uh, in the eighth round. So, so uh, five and three for the day. Yeah. So anyway, that was my uh, that's my my tourney report. Um, a very 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 frustrating experience um, yeah. for my first. Sounds loss. like it. Well, it's cool that you could go five three, which isn't terrible. But on the other hand. Um, there's an interesting, you know, I haven't heard that side of the story before, and I would say there's an interesting response that I would have. First of all, what are people we talking are gonna, about, first of all? Pe- pe- talking first of all, people are going to be rewarded by being successful with that type of behavior. Meaning, if you let it get to you, it will get to you even more. Yeah. And to me, you know, my, my whole thing is like, is always the best, you know, revenge is success, right? So it's like, you know, I, I just am going to, like, that. that's going to annoy me. And I, I wouldn't say I'd never go on tilt, but more than less of the case, you know, I would just want to, you know, play my butt off and do everything I can to win that match, um, because that's just really gonna um, kind of that just lights my fire when that type of stuff happens. On the other hand, if you feel people are trying to punk you or bully you or whatever, it's like a catch twenty two because it's and also from the judges' perspective, I can see how it's something very hard to exactly censor because. They don't know the history. And to me, if I'm coming up to that and I'm seeing the situation and I get called over because someone's saying they're slow play, maybe you, Greg, are actually, not that you are, but maybe one who's calling me over is actually slow playing it. And the opponent, you know, they're trying to, like, you know, accuse the opponent first. And then you start um, reading something and the guy's like, Judge, he's been doing this all game. He's slow playing. Judge, can you play? You know, and he's... Well, he didn't say that. He he, he didn't actually say that. He was literally just saying it. He wasn't saying it. With the with the intent of getting the judge to to, to be annoyed to, or to, to to make a comment to me, he was saying it because he knew it would agitate me. Um, right. He successfully and, had that read, and it, and, it, and he was and he was successful. Um, and I I think I was I was majorly put on I was mainly put on tilt because I felt like like there was obviously an interaction where me calling the judge like was totally acceptable, totally reasonable, and then. When the the judges literally like it felt like they played into his game, that was just like very very defeating, um, and it was just it was just, it was something that was hard for me to just recover from. So I actually like um, um, shortly thereafter, shortly after the all, all the ruling happened, I, I sat down and uh, and Rhino came over 
Um, Rhino didn't do so well, so he uh, he and Bobby Hill were 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 leaving, and he's like, "Hey, bud, um, I'm taking off. Um, good luck." And like, go find everyone who knows me and have them stand behind me, because literally the entire time, this is also a part of it. The entire time, um, this 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 guy who's fairly charismatic has like every like least five people that he is casually interacting with during every instance where he is not being talked to by the judge during the the judge call um and they are they are successfully keeping him like a level head and looking around and there's like nobody um and then uh um Alyssa and and tim actually came over at that point i think that um alexis was in a game and pretty much everybody else was actually gone um and then uh like even even just um, Tim and Lissa's presence just at that brief moment when they came over, which was while we were like mulliganing for game two or something. Um, even 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 though it was like really anticlimactic when they came over, I think Lissa even left shortly thereafter. Right, right. Just their 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 presence right. in coming over was enough of a, like a little bit of like a a boost where I think that my game like I didn't just punt the match like I was in in the remainder of the game. But I still was on enough of tilt where at, at an undefeated table, playing an, an opponent who is clearly full of games and incapable of, of, of either his deck or his play, com- some combination of that is, is, is capable of putting him in that position, he, he's able to capitalize enough on that to, to successfully win the match. And... and I mean, I, I don't, I don't begrudge, you know, anything from that perspective. I don't begrudge him at all. I mean, he he, he beat me and I, and I lost and I, um, right. I, not not I, only that, but you and not not to beat up on you, Greg, but I'm just going to say that, you know, from a perspective of someone who wants to do well in tournaments, it's like <clears throat> I doubt that it would get a lot easier. At the Pro Tour or at a second-day Grand Prix, you know, late in the day, like, it may it may not be that exact case, but there's other things like that that might not be as blunt. That's a pretty extreme example, but there's even subtler examples of different psychological, you know, initiatives and in different um, instances. There's a famous one a couple, or actually about a year ago now, um, but... You know, there, there's all that type of stuff going on, and what do you mean? Give me, could you explain that that example that you're 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 going over my head a little bit here on, on what you're talking about? I'm just saying that when people do that at high level tournaments, it's important to um, not get punked by it because it's not going to get any easier. And I think that to a certain extent, you know, the lesson to draw from that, and and you know, who am I to say anything? You know, it happens to me, it happens to everyone. But, you know, so not to, I'm not picking on you here. So just be mindful. Oh, no, I'm not feeling attacked. And, and, I mean, just, the reality I'm saying, is. If, I, I'm just saying that I think. Um, the, I'm the, picking on you. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick on you. I, I just, well, I'm just going to finish a point and then, Russell, I want to hear what you have to say. But my, my point is simply this, Greg, that to me, the lesson from that is more like now you've seen a weakness in your mental game. And that's something that you can improve upon. And yeah, like it did suck because you did get the loss there, but better you should get it in that scenario than when you're in the last round of that situation and it happened again. And now you're more prepared for it because you had that experience and you're stronger for it. And it can be a really learning thing. And the lesson might be 
that you want to tell friends to come surround you, but it also might be that you want to step up your mental game and be prepared for that. Maybe even, you know, you could try practicing against it um, when it comes up and be mindful. Uh, and that's that's what I take away from the story. But uh, go ahead, Russell. Oh, no, I, I was just, just uh, giving Greg a hard time. But, you know, I... I it's it's a good point that uh that that tilt can get to all of us at some point in time and uh we've got to find ways to deal with it and especially you know at the I think Jonathan's right about uh it not getting any easier um I'm not saying that that was an easy situation at all far from it but uh it's it's just rep, rep uh representative of the kind of experiences I think that uh you're going to have on the pro tour or or at uh, higher levels of play there are some people that are just w- willing to do that kind of uh, you know mind game judge play activities in order to get an edge on their opponent and it's it's unfortunate but it is something that i think becomes more uh more noticeable as you go to higher levels of play I, as as a, as a little bit of a response, and I don't mean to, to harp on on anything because I, I don't know if I've made this point or not, but I I would like to point out the fact that I really feel, or at least I, I felt at that instance, not that the interaction with with my opponent was really what like crippled me there. It was really the way that the the judges responded and my mental state as to how I anticipated them. Um, responding, and the fact that they didn't respond in a way that, or, or even with an explanation that really like left me feeling comfortable, and the fact that I really like I I I said with the person that that I that I um, who happened to be the head judge, like I, I said appeal. And he's like, well, I'm actually the head judge, and and that particular person, um, and 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 particular particularly their in their explanation did not impress me in in a way where i felt um like i felt like i i don't know that was the part that really put me that was really the the instance that was um a new experience for me not so much like having like a hard you know bickery kind of match with my opponent I've, i've had a couple of those instances before and i think that i'm prepared for those i do think now that i will be prepared uh, I will have less of a victim mentality in an instance where I feel like the interaction with my opponent is is poor. I, I will have I, I will know what to do in terms of yeah I call slow play, but I have to be a little bit more prepared for when slow play is obvious that that doesn't necessarily mean that um, the judge is going to come over and instantly understand and and have pretended like they were actually there. Um, and you know that that expectation will be different going forward, and I think that I'll be more prepared for that. Um, in terms of of being rattled by my opponent, um, my my perception is that it that wasn't really that wasn't really the the, the issue. Um, it, it was it became a part of the issue, but I think I really I think I just became a little bit too much of a victim. Um, and and looking around, not really having a way of. Of, of feeling like I could get out of that like victim mentality, which is why I, I was like, you know, if I have some people behind me, it's not that, oh, I'm clearly, I'm in this situation because his he's got friends and I don't, but it was just like I couldn't right. grasp anything to try and fix my mentality, and that right. was yeah. one way of trying to work on that. And you add all those factors together, and it kind of compounds, you know, not yeah, only the absolutely. fact that he's got his support and the judge has taken his side, and he's, 
you know, kind of rattling with his with his uh, his you know speech and his mannerisms. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Yeah, no, totally. And I can I've I've been in similar situations, and I just take it like you know, you know. Be happy for it because you got to learn a lesson. On the other hand, it really sucks, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. But um, I would just, you know, just try to take it as a lesson and get what you can from it because you can only control yourself. And you know, people that are going to act like total d bags and idiots and jerks, you know, out there are like totally exist, and they're going to try to rally you in any way they can just because they think that that's to their advantage. And you know, it's like someone that has to first of all, someone that has to employ all those extra like psychological warfare tools. It's like if you're really going to that much of an extreme on it, like this guy was, then obviously, you know, he's got to be lacking somewhere else. Um, but I'd just say that not all games are going to be pleasant, and it's it sounds like, you know, you learned a lot from the situation, and next time you handle it better, and that's all you can do, right? So Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, man, but sorry that that had to happen to you that way, and it had to go down, but uh, hopefully it'll be the last time um, you have an experience like that. Um I think I think what what we should do now, um, mm-hmm. though I there are there are a couple of things we really I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. um, going forward. I think that we really need to um, from 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 a time perspective, we need to move on to uh, um, you know a little bit of extended coverage if we're going to talk about extended tonight. Um, you had a, there was a GPT this last Sunday um, that you you went to. And you said yeah. you're before the show. You said it wasn't a particularly <laughs> strong performance, but yeah. you can give us a little bit of a, an idea. What well, no, I did terrible. Um, I went one. I there was a, a small turnout. We had eight people, um, which sucked. Um, and so there wasn't uh, from the vault relics up anyway. So I guess it's not that bad. But anyway, um, I played against. Jund and lost in the second round in a very close. I played against Mono Redburn first round went to a fairly easy opponent. Um, smashed and then in the second round, um, just got uh, game lost because I quote unquote, I misregistered my deck I guess because I put Elspeth. I was quickly writing it down. There's only eight people. It's very informal and I just wrote down Elspeth and I didn't write Elspeth um, Knight Errant and so I got a game lost for that. Um, and then I got uh, I got a no land hand on the first draw, no land hand second draw. So Mulligan to five, one land hand with Explore, Lotus Cobra, um, and so I keep because going to four sucks. So and I thought you know if I can get a land uh, in the next couple of draws, I can still kind of explode out of the gates. Unfortunately, that was not the case, um, and I saw one land for. The whole game, um, I conceded around turn like five. Uh, he was playing Jund, and he just got a. He also, you know, it's a very good deck, and he got a good, you know, he has. It's a good deck, so, um, so I lost, and then a white weenie deck ended up taking it. Um, it's kind of just a traditional white weenie, um, very powerful still, um, and that's actually the other deck I've been telling people to play. Uh, the deck that I took, I'll go over quickly, and we'll put in the show notes. Um, so it's just a Naya deck, and it's kind of my own build. I really like a Johnny Vengeance. I wanted to find a deck with him in it. Um, I really like Elspeth, and I really like Bloodbraid Elf. So I just decided to play those three and the other two most efficient creatures I could think of, Knight of the Reliquary and Kitchen Finks. Um, 
and the whole thing is that by turn three you have access to some you know pretty significant threats. I think it was a good deck. It had a good showing. I played the Jun player, uh, who's actually a friend of the shows and a good guy, Tony Coletti, a couple more times, and I ended up. I think I took the majority of our games um, pretty well on, but they were close. And he and he's you know a good player, good deck, and he had an awesome. Uh, piece of tech in there which was great it was uh for kitchen fink specifically and skin render is really good against kitchen finks uh because it gets the minus one minus one counters and does not come back so that was pretty clever of him uh that's all i think extended is awesome i think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for new decks out there and i'm really looking forward to it i think we should probably move our discussion along the discussion of, of, of tilt that was was presented a little bit earlier in in the show, um, because I've actually this is something that I, I'm very very aware of in in the world of magic, <laughs> the concept the concept of tilt um, being being tilted. I, I see a number of very good players uh, losing in the first round and then just never coming never coming back. Um, and this is something that I think uh, a long time ago I was, and not a long time ago, uh, specifically not that long ago, I was really, really bad with tilt, um, not having a whole lot of different ways of managing tilt. Um, first of all, Dur, just in case somebody doesn't know what tilt is, um, Russ, can you give us a quick, quick description of what you you consider tilt to be? Absolutely. Uh, I would uh, I would say that tilt is uh, a, a rattling that your opponent uh, gives to you, very similar to what you were talking about in your example from uh, from your tourney report, uh, where uh, you're allowing the events of the game uh, that may have gone against you to uh, influence your actions uh, to the point where you're making poor decisions or you're not contemplating all of your options. Um, a lot of this happens when you snap keep um, or uh, choose not to mulligan. It can happen, you know, throughout all of your decisions in a game based on the events in in a game proceeding or a match proceeding. Yeah, I think that's a great description. Um, so, so when it comes to tilt, um, I, I'm very aware of the. I mean, I'm actually, I, I I played a lot of poker in, in in college, which is why I was probably a little more argumentative when when poker came up earlier, because um, I, I I played a I played a lot, and uh, managing my tilt was something that was one of the the biggest difficulties when it comes to my poker game, because if I'm if I'm not on tilt, I'm actually a very very strong player. Um, I, I play a lot of hands. I'm, I'm I have a similar style to Dan Negreanu. Um, play lots of pots, blah 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 blah. But I, when I when I would lose a hand that just didn't make sense, and and I felt like my my opponent played poorly, and like why, you know, why would you possibly call with that hand with this? You know, blah, blah 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 blah. That kind of thing would just totally like just light me on fire, and um, I'd end up from there on tilting away a bunch of chips. When usually by that point, I've I've got a fairly healthy chip stack, and I'm probably losing oh, you know, eight percent of my chip stack when I'm up, you know, some x hundred percent from when I what I started with, um, and then I end up losing it all because I just I'm. I'm playing aggressive. Well, if you're going to do that, well, then you're going to blah, 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 and that kind of thing. So anyway, um, 
recognizing that this is something that that I have, have had struggled with before, I um, was very open to a couple of articles that um, that I that I found. One one I actually um, mentioned on this show. Uh, oh, I am at one in, in one of our early episodes, uh, probably like the fourth episode or so. Uh, specifically, a uh, an article that we'll, we'll link to in the show notes from uh, O2 Drop called "Dealing with Tilt Through Positive Behavior," and um, it it talks about you know a, a a very specific example. Say you're hypothetically in this scenario, and this 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 happens, and you you get quote unquote lock sacked out and you 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 lose the game and it's you know it, you you end up not being in contention for top eight and you know you you bomb out of the tournament because of it and he then it then talks about the fact that likely if you played certain things slightly differently earlier in that match your percentages to be in that particular position would have been different and you likely would. Um, you likely would have won instead of lost, even and, and the perception of oh I lost because this person top decked this card. Well, the reality is that you weren't putting yourself in a position to be prepared for them top decking that card, and that and that mindset of really being um, more specifically oriented to well what weren't you doing or what were you doing to put yourself in this position yeah what ha- what your opponent did and in, in the interactions of your opponent happened um but those those types of interactions because they happened they obviously were plausible they were obviously possible and just being kind of aware of 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 that whole concept um and focusing more on your own play as opposed to just you know, talking about oh, my opponent did this, or my my deck just flooded me out, or I, I didn't draw any lands, or blah 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 blah. I mean, this concept of which we've also talked before of never having lost a game of of Magic in your life, quote unquote, um, is, is 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 a concept that I'm really fascinated by, and I found these a couple of articles, and I think that there's been a drastic change in my play over the course of. Um, the last couple months, and I think that it's it showed, particularly in scars. Though I haven't, you know, haven't gotten in the end zone, I haven't I haven't top aided a PTQ or day two to GP. Um, I've I've really start either um, if I started if I started poorly, I recovered and and ended with a, with a pretty good day, or I've I've started very very well in in a number of of recent events and. I think that that a lot of that actually is directly because of of, of thinking about um, this concept of tilt or um, another concept which is um, playing to win versus playing not to lose and sometimes you really got to put it in gear and, and try and win when you know that that's the position you're in but in, in a lot of cases you really just need to be playing not to lose um, rather than, than playing to win 
and that, that there's another article that we'll link to from Channel Fireball that I really think that if people digest some of that and we get a little bit of feedback, maybe we'll have a little bit more of a of a of a two or three or four way discussion on a future episode about some of these concepts. But I really, but I think uh, um, because of time, we'll, we'll move from my monologue into like some quick reflections from you guys and, and, and some some simple thoughts before we um, start to wrap up the show. Uh, Russ, do you, you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, one of the ways that I manage um, tilt is is a little bit, and uh, this dovetails back to your your uh, report as well, the turning report. Um, it, it's it's really important to kind of one of the things that we talked about the last time I was on the show was sportsmanship. Um, and I'm a big fan of sportsmanship, but sometimes you do end up playing against someone who's just going to be a jerk to you. And one of the ways that I manage that, and this happens a lot online because there's a much more, there's a much greater opportunity for people to not, you know, care about the way they're treating their opponent online. Um, when I'm talking to my opponent and, and he's, uh, you know, being a jerk or, or, you know, doing a lot of trash talking. I'll often use a, a, a pet name. Um, a lot of times I'll call my opponent sweetheart or killer or chief or boss. And every time I use that word, <laughs> I'm actually saying in my head jackass or douchebag or whatever it is. But it, it, nobody's ever going to, you know, say, you, you called me killer. And that's unsportsmanlike. Or you called <laughs> me, you know, it's a way for me to really let out that anger. Nice. Without saying anything that's even remotely something that's going to inflame someone or something that's going to get me in trouble. And by using that kind of pet name, and especially, I, I like sweetheart a lot because it's very, you know, it's, it's, condescending. it's <laughs> condescending and kind of emasculating. And people, you know, when I'm a guy and I'm sitting across from another guy, they don't want me calling them sweetheart. You know, that, that, it, it throws them off balance. A lot of times it will shut them up and stop them from, you know, the trash talk and we can go back to playing the game instead of having this, you know, kind of, uh, psychological warfare that we're having at the time. So that's one of the tools that I use that works really well for me personally, um, in, in managing that, that frustration and kind of letting that out without causing a scene or without getting myself in trouble. So that's one of the tips that I use. Um, as a quick aside, we don't. We had four spikes. Do not condone calling your opponent sweetheart. Exactly. Good call. Good call. You could you could finish. Yeah, I I think you know, and and again, recognizing that everybody loses to luck sometimes. This is a game where luck is a huge factor. Everybody's going to lose to it. You're going to lose to it. I'm going to lose to it. I'm going to get mana screwed. It's going to look like I'm getting mana screwed sometimes. Sometimes I'm going to make a keep. I was just uh, playing in a match uh, the last draft I played online where I was playing against a really aggressive deck, and I mulliganed uh, down to six, and it was a one-land hand with uh, a couple of two drops, and I kept it. And I, I never drew my second land, and I conceded to my opponent. He said, yeah, I, I should have mulliganed down. And I said, you know, against your deck, it's too aggressive. I'm not willing to, to kind of give up that... Um, that that uh, that amount of card advantage to a deck that's just going to come out of the gate swinging, and uh, but being honest with yourself and realizing that you're taking a gamble when you do that, or or looking back at your at your play and saying, you know, that was a that was a risk that I took and it ended up, ended up kicking me in the in the junk this time. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's exactly what I mean. If we, if we got into a, a deeper discussion, that's that's the exact type of thing that I'm referring to. Is mm-hmm. When you when you mulligan and then. 
And they get upset. Got to mulligan, and then at the end of the game, you totally forget about the fact that that you didn't mulligan. Maybe you right. maybe you successfully survived long enough where you you led yourself to believe that it was correct, but that mm-hmm. you later, due to some crazy coincidence, didn't have enough land in play to play your spells. Yeah, I mean, it, th- there's a direct correlation there, and recognizing that, and really being honest, being really honest about. The fact that, well, maybe it was an incorrect keep. Maybe it was incorrect. And yes, yeah, sometimes you, you, you play against a god hand and you just lose. And that, that can happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, playing, playing, playing honestly, particularly, you know, being honest to yourself, I think is, is, is critically important. I, I actually, I highly encourage everyone to listen to, uh, or to, to read these two articles that I'm, that I'm, um, I'm going to have in the show notes because the the one where it talks about dealing with tilt through positive behavior in the hypothetical, um, you've got a, you've got a fireball in hand, you've got um, seven seven mana, your opponent is at um, seven life, and you keep drawing for land, drawing for land, drawing for land, and you think you've got two extra turns, but in fact they like top deck something uh, a fireball of their own, and then they kill you, and you're like, oh my god. Ice fireball, blah, blah, blah. but the reality is you're playing, you know, in in M11 limited, and you had preordains and foresees earlier where you put land on the, you know, you probably put at least one land on the bottom of your deck at one point earlier, mm-hmm. and not playing to the fact that you know that that's probably somewhat relevant in the scenario. So I mean that that kind of thing is something that I really think that people oversee. Um, way too much and that if you can find a way of really honing in and trying to control your emotions enough to look for those things you'll find that there's a lot more that you can do and that that, that you can take some of that situation those some of those situations some of that experience and actually apply it in a very positive and meaningful way what are the types of decks that you can can keep that crazy hand because you know that everything else in your in your deck is going to be gas Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and you need one of these pieces, or vice versa, where you know, yeah, these are your these are your bombs, but everything in your deck, you know, you you need to, um, you've got you've got multiple bombs, and maybe you need to get the the foundations, you need the meat and potatoes, and the bombs will come, you know, understanding that these little different these these differences and 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 playing to them is very very important. Yeah, that that article really is uh, the the dealing with tilt through positive behavior is an excellent ar- article. I know that's been reprinted a, and run a couple of times on the mothership, and it's it's really worth the read. Um, Jonathan, did you have any did you have any thoughts? Oh, there we go. Uh, no, I think we should move on. Um, and what's the next thing we got here? Uh, Mana girls. Have you guys seen this? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't either uh, until today. Uh, it was something that Diana mentioned to me about a week ago, and I finally checked it out. Um, we'll put a link to it in our show notes. Um, they have a Facebook group, and they're also recently... Oh, in, I heard about this. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> and they're also recently in uh, on the Wizards' uh, main page in their daily... or in the main site in their uh, event coverage um, at our Grand Prix because... Uh, they and and I guess you know there's some in Italy and that's why. But there's I guess these five girls, each representing a different mana symbol, who are interested or colored magic, who are interested in kind of expanding the game to women. And they have a group that they started, but it's just for women. Um, 
to join and I don't know, it's pretty cool. Uh, they kind of remind me that the aesthetic of it reminds me viscerally of the uh, anime girls I saw at Gen Con um, who wear like the ties and or the button-down shirts and stuff like that. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but um, I don't know. I don't really know quite what to make of it because I just saw it for the first time. But uh, Russell, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's certainly very interesting. I'm, I'm glad to see that this is not an outreach uh, by... Wizards of the Coast, this is something fan-produced. Because at first, when I was looking at the link, I was like, oh, please don't tell me that Wizards put this group together. So I'm really glad to see that that is not the case and that these are independently organized um, girls that are into magic. I think that's that's cool. Um, And the the article goes into a little bit more about the... uh, the coverage of, of Florence, the, the article that we linked here. But uh, it does talk a little bit about each of these uh, ladies and their interest in magic. I think it's a cool thing. Greg? Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Um, I actually had a conversation with, uh, um, I think Alexis brought it up. Um, so I, I, I had a conversation um, about the, the ladies. And it, it's, it, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for magic in general. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I I'm not particularly educated. I don't really have a more in-depth opinion on it, but I think it's interesting. Cool. Uh, so we'd also like to hear what our listeners think, so check that out in our links and let us know your thoughts on the Mana Girls. Um, we also, let's see, Robert wanted to hear our uh, world predictions. Um, I have no predictions at this point. What do you guys think? Okay, um, I, pred- I predict a, the the over under on Channel Fireball pros at uh, in the top eight for Worlds is probably three. I think that's the over under. Okay, and for people that don't know what that means, break it down. Um, sure. So it's just a dumb terminology that's used, generally speaking, in sports betting. <laughs> Um, but but you can do it without actually betting. But basically, you're you're saying that let's go check. Good good save. Yeah. <laughs> that that you, I think that there is is going to be approximately um, three to four um, players in the top eight that are from Channel Fireball. I think that the over under is is three. Um, I guess three to four would be three and a, three and a half over under. But yeah. So anyway. I think you can, do, you can do halves with over under. Yeah, you, you yeah. Um, so, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I think that I mean, the prediction I'll make is that I think that uh, five color control will do uh, well in the extended um, portion. I'll, I'll throw that out there, and I also think that there will be at least one super cool deck that no one has ever seen or thought of before that I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing do well. I think for standard, Valakut is going to do very well. Um, and uh, Russell, how about you? Yeah, I, I would probably agree with uh, Valakut. Uh, something involving Primeval Titan is is really probably going to be the, the thing that takes it there. That card is uh, definitely making... Big waves how doesn't many, seem like a whole lot of great ways to to beat it. How many uh, decks in the top in the top eight are going to have primeval titans in it? Five. Whoa. Okay, that is a lot. We'll see how that uh, prediction works out. Um, 
and it's a lot of green. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I also think I think that uh, I think that um, the other deck that I think will do surprisingly well will be a Boros build. Um, so and, what do we think? So what do you think the over under on, on on quantity of decks with Jason in, in top eight? That's a good question. Hmm. I think uh, that there will be. A f- Let's see. Let's chase. Because you can't have it all. I mean, you can't have. I mean, primeval. Jace and Boros? Sure you can. You can have Primeval Titan and Jace in a very viable deck right now in the rug build. Not, not with not with Boros. No, not all not a not a four color monstrosity, but you can have uh you can have Primeval Titans and uh Lotus Cobras and Jaces yeah, in, for the, sure. in the rug deck. Um I don't know. I think Jace I think Jace is uh gonna do well only because of Rug and that will be the deck that it, it really shines in. Um because the format is just, uh, it's it's aggressive enough. Although there's not Bloodbraid Elves and Blightnings, it's aggressive enough to keep Jace at bay to an extent. Um, although in any blue deck, it you know pretty much has to go in at this point. I think or in most blue decks. Um, okay, so those are predictions from World. Sorry, I don't have any more exciting ones. I agree that Channel Fireball do great those guys, especially Brad Nelson is on a ridiculous tear right now. Um, Moving along, we have two. And, and PV, I mean PV. Um, right, right. PV is still legit. Like, the, I mean, sure. he's not. He hasn't been participating as as many events as well, of could, late, just because he, he can't mathematically, you know, get to beat well, Brad he, Nelson. He no, he could. It's just, it's just. Uh, well, his you know, perspective is that you know, is that well. Right. It's it's yeah. a, it's a it's a decision, but it's possible. The same sure. way that it's possible for Brad Nelson to go to many more, or for some of the Japanese players, you know, it's it's all sure. it's just what people want to put into it. But yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you could go through the list and say that for I think pretty much any of the, you know, any of the people who are on the Channel Fireball site, and that's what's so sure, extraordinary sure. about them. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that goes without saying. That being the case, uh, there's two articles we want to mention, and then um, we'll tell you how to get a hold of us. First of all, I just want to give another shout-out to Channel Fireball. Check out Connolly Woods' new Deck Doctor. It's really interesting, a black-white, uh, control-y version. Um, and it's actually something I've been thinking about for a while, but haven't quite been able to put the pieces together in standard yet. But a black-white build is really interesting. Highly recommend it. So we'll have the link to that in the show so- notes. On on that, uh, have you watched that, John? Yeah, it's awesome. Is uh, because like all of the comments below it are talking about uh, how the deck is um, clearly not uh, anything close to to viable or something like that. Like so many of the comments are talking about how it's uh, hilarious and the deck is terrible, but it looks really interesting. I was looking at it like I. I Kind of like to play that deck. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is simply um, any situation like that. You know, first of all, um, there's a lot of subtly powerful interactions that um, people don't think respect. Um, and you know that I mean, there's there's a lot that can go there's a lot that can go into it. Um, it might not be the best build for it. It might be a great build, uh, but it's 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 innovative. It's something to think about. It's something new, and I always love Sun Titan. So any deck that plays that, I'm gonna be you know pretty excited about. So I'm a big fan of that card too. Yeah, and and the fact of the matter is that it's bringing something new to the table. So 
people can criticize all they want, and those criticisms will keep coming until something wins. But people criticize, you know, lots of decks, um, mm-hmm. and to me, it's just like I, I want to see the innovation. I want to see people exploring new elements to the game, and that's what keeps it fresh and new. Um, and what was so disturbing when uh, Jund was so dominant. Um, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, those comments are pretty rough, but. Um, I would say it's still worth checking out the deck doctor and Connolly's insights are also very interesting. And I think that's the most important part, including his, uh, and, and some of the guests on there, this one around. Um, and the other article that we wanted to bring up was the, uh, quiet speculation article by, uh, Dylan. Uh, the brewery is his, um, kind of, uh, that, that's his, um, category and, Examining uh, blue-green X control is really interesting, and you know we can see the kind of different builds. Um, and he actually has some really, really interesting ones in there: the Donnie Nolan build, the Chris Anderson one. Um, so anyway, you know he's he's got some great analysis. It's really worth checking out, and uh, it's kind of a cool. It's cool that he's now got got a, once again that he's got a. Um, a column on there so it's definitely worth checking out we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well uh and i am done with content for this show and ready to wrap it up did you guys want to mention anything else before we talk about how to get a hold of us no i hadn't actually looked at that um that last article until just now and it actually looks quite fascinating it Um, is it's really interesting I'm, i'm excited about that okay and russell is there anything you wanted to uh add in no i think i'm good um uh, and one la- one last thank you specifically to um, Megan from mtgmom.com and uh, Life on Auto at, on yes, Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, our Twitter is uh, Force Spikes. Our email is Force Spikes at Gmail. On Facebook, search Force Spikes. There's a little bit of pattern here. And on uh, mtgcast.com, look for Force Spikes. So yes. <laughs> and we'll also nice. have the link to our Facebook site in the show notes. Uh, so hit us up on Facebook. Um, thank you so much for listening to us tonight and we will talk to you later have have a good one everybody see you guys later adios